You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good morning and welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to recognize Denim Marketing as our show sponsor. Known for creativity, contact Denim Marketing when you need quality original content for public relations, social media, blogging, email marketing, and promotions. Today, we are fortunate to be joined in studio by Jim Chapman, principal of Chapman Design Studio for our Legends of Real Estate series. Um, Jim's going to share with us his years of experience in architecture. I'm super excited about this show. We all know Jim's son very well, and I know some of you guys know Jim Chapman, the architect, very well. So this will be uh, my first conversation with him. So I'm very excited that you chose to join me today. Welcome to the show, Jim. And let's just start off with, you know, when did you know you wanted to be an architect? Well, Hello, Carol, and, and thank you very much for having me here to talk with you and your listeners. I'm delighted to claim Jim Chapman Jr. as my son, and hopefully uh, we can hold up the reputation here a little bit today. <laughs> so to think about becoming an architect was an early decision for me. I knew I wanted to be an architect very early and, and headed off to school at Georgia Tech when the time came. So it was a easy thing that came naturally. Oh, that's always good. So you're a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. And I think you're also an Atlanta native. Is that accurate? I am. I grew up out towards Stone Mountain uh, on the other end of a two-man cross-cut saw as a kid. And we we were farm boys, my brother and I, and it was a natural thing, as as I said, to grow up and be educated in Decatur and then uh, wind up there at Georgia Tech. Yeah, fantastic. Well, so growing up, in addition to being a farm boy, did you play with Lincoln Logs or play with blocks or did you build things? Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, my brother and I, for a period of time, my brother and I were partners in architecture, so I mentioned him. But we did our, we actually built little huts and ca- all kinds of cabins out in the woods uh, as growing up uh, out there at Stone Mountain. So that was, instead of little Lincoln logs, we used actually, we got involved with some pretty big stuff. I was going to say, whose designs were better, yours or his? He was older, but I was far better. I'm much, much better as a designer. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Thanks. That's fun. We had a lot of competition, you could tell. Oh, I'm sure. Siblings always do. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so you went to Georgia Tech. What was your first job out of school? Well, I went to work for a really fine Atlanta uh, architecture firm, Stevens & Wilkinson. They were noted shopping center, office building, uh, clubhouse designers. They had done Capital City Club back at Brookhaven in their history. And that that firm set me up for a, a really great future. And I'm indebted to them. And they're now, they were folded into Cooper Carey. Oh, okay. Atlanta, yeah. Uh, Atlanta architecture uh, firm. And... Uh, that was a, a just a super experience, great apprenticeship, and 
as you know, you as an architect, a young person, you had to work three years before you could get your license and, and before you could take the uh, bar exam for architects. So that that was a, a great firm, did really wonderful things. Yeah. So were you there for three years and then you went out on your own or what was your next step? The interesting thing is that when you think about legends in real estate, I'm a facilitator and not a legend. Uh, I had legends who were clients and Mike Garrett popped in the door one day. Some of your older uh, listeners will be familiar with Mike. He developed Executive Park, which was the first suburban office park in the country. Oh, wow. And had a small vision of, or version of that. But Executive Park, with all of the headquarters companies that became based there, uh, was the leader in the nation. And Mike was the founder of that. He was joined later uh, by others and went on with other partners to begin Perimeter Center. So there were two really big firsts that came out of the, the firm there that I started out with. And the development of those two parks, both Perimeter Center and Executive Park, were with a gentleman named Jim Cowart, also a tycoon and and a huge icon in uh, real estate circles from the 60s through the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, he developed Dunwoody and other wonderful subdivisions up toward Johns Creek. Yeah, absolutely. Jim did a lot of really great developments and is another just incredibly well-known name who so you told you you basically said you worked for people who were famous and were legends um give us some other names well uh jim coward uh was the person who was so fortunate in being able to negotiate with the spruill family who had all the the, the land there at 285 at ashford dunwoody road so he marketed all the land to the folks who became uh, not just Garen and Company, but Taylor and Mathis, who are still legendary in that uh, development. Also with the shopping center and uh, with the help of others who uh, were equally leaders or trailblazers was Lowell Wallach and Larry Morris, a Georgia Tech famous football player from the early days. And they developed Dunwoody, which we designed in a Williamsburg traditional theme at the bequest of Lowell and Larry. So the theme of Williamsburg traditional architecture, which is not something you learn at Georgia Tech at all, but on your own by going up to Williamsburg and places like that to study. My partner used, used to go with me up to Williamsburg on numerous field trips. We took pictures of everything, even the pavers. And people looked at us like we were crazy. We were shooting photographs of our feet, they thought. And we were actually shooting pictures of pavers and paving patterns and such. Interesting stuff. 
Yeah, it's always cool to see where you can find um, neat design. I always like to take pictures of manhole covers, especially the ones that have the cities. You know, you'll go and it'll be like, you know, a a Venice, you know, design, Venice, Italy design manhole covers. I have lots of pictures of manhole covers, so I I get it. Well, what inspired you to start Chapman Design Studio and what year was that? Well, in 69, uh, Sid Barrett and I had formed a company that was called Barrett and Associates. I was the associate S. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, You know how architects and others do. We magnify our personalities that way. Uh, Sid was a great partner for me at that time. Well, as, as time went on, I wanted to do other things. And Mike Guerin hired me to do his house. I took that to be a good sign to go out. Then Jim Coward hired me to do all of his things that were up there in Dunwoody, which included some of those houses, the 5-4 and the door famous design. And so at that time, so as you can, I mentioned 1969, so you know I've been around a long time to form the firm that was originally the, the precursor of Chapman Design Studio is Chapman Coyle Chapman. And that firm, we could talk about it as well because I'm so proud of it. It's still in booming business doing its thing, which is a very high profile educational uh, projects for private oh. schools. As, oh, that's fantastic. Well, as uh, also with the clubs in, in that firm, as the lead principal with Barry Coyle as a very valued co-principal of equal stature, I would quickly add, uh, with his personality and, and our combined design talents, we were fortunate to carry our Chapman Coyle Chapman uh, abilities throughout the country and around uh, Europe, as well as in South America and uh, the Bahamas, in doing clubs and resort work, hospitality, and all kinds of really unique, one-of-a-kind projects. Yeah, well, this is probably not a fair question, but I know you're credited with designing more than 300 golf clubhouses and golf-related facilities. Do you have a favorite? Well, uh, you know, Carol, the, the project you're working on at the moment is always your favorite. <laughs> your favorite. Yep. I've gone through so many decades now in architecture and phases, so to speak. You know how artists are. They have their blue period or their impressionistic period, or they give various names to those. And uh, one of my really favorite experiences has been uh, working with the people in private schoolwork, which we haven't even touched on, but I did the entire campus for Wesleyan School up in Johns Creek, and by doing that, I was able to work with some wonderful folks. The clients there were just fantastic. Zach Young was one of the school principals at Westminster, where we did, where I did three buildings there. Uh, in their second phase of ever building. And he carried me from Westminster up to Wesleyan when he became the headmaster there. And throughout a very short period of time, he grew out that entire campus from the high school to the lower school to the 
middle school, a wonderful gymnasium, a natatorium, an administration building, and the stadium. I didn't do the stadium, but the entire master plan and the taking of a project, the property that Jim Coward actually sold to them up in Johns Creek. He took that property and turned, I believe it was like 60 acres into a top flight educational institution for that neck of the woods and from all surrounding neighborhoods. He was an icon himself in education. So that was a super wonderful job. But if I could add one more quickly, it it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In the club world is Capital City Club here in Atlanta. I have been associated there for over 35 years in handling all of the changes and growth of that facility from the original Stevens and Wilkinson job back in 1926, which was 30 years before I became involved with them. They had had almost nothing done there up to that period of time when I was commissioned to do addition after addition after addition. So I have great friends there and fortunate to be associated with them in longstanding uh, a continuum of, of projects. And that's really the, the beauty of some of the people that you get to work with in this uh, development and architecture and in education and whatever field you're dealing with and hospitality particularly. Uh, yeah. Hospitality is just a, a favorite uh, field to, to be involved. Oh, absolutely. It's a really fun field. Well, talk a little bit about, you know, I guess computers and how they impacted the evolution of architecture. I mean, I'm the smart young lady that once told my dad way back in the day that I would never need to use a computer in my life for anything. And why did I need to take a computer programming class? So um, we all laugh about that now. So for years, you'd ask me, how many computers are in your office now, sweetie? (laughs) How true. It's so true. But talk a little bit about how architecture evolved and how computers impact. Well, believe it or not, I who had no formal computer training, I'm a I'm a babe compared to the folks that work around me. And I have three computer screens, three monitors (laughs) that I look at every morning and every afternoon that I work with. I was pre the computer training age. I was the tail end of slide rooms. Believe it or not, I never learned how to work one at tech. I, I'm probably admitting more than I should. They'll take my degree. We won't back. tell your professors. They won't know. I don't think they can take your degree back. I think they should think probably give you an extra on. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, me. But they have really affected it. And I'm I'm not really happy about it, honestly. Uh, I'm the original. I've, I've always been fortunate to be the designer involved in a job. I I never had the opportunity. I craved knowing exactly how a building is put together, but I admit that I depend on all the smart folks who were trained on computers to put the buildings together and make it fly. Well, so I just do sketching. Yeah. And computers to me, I think when you philosophically 
the thing about it is that buildings now tend to look alike uh, and they're all squared off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so easy to build a building by taking a floor and just duplicating it one after the other yeah. without thought and then just plastering facades willy-nilly. Some people would tell you, take a look at traditional architecture, which is still what I practice, what Chapman Design Studio practices is a look that is unique and distinctive, but it's, it calls on all of the ages of history in order to bring back uh, details that are familiar and comfortable and of a human scale. The human scale is what seems to be missing so much in buildings. You can't really tell how big you are. <laughs> it makes you very small. Right. Yeah. That's very true. I hadn't thought about that. Well, talk a little bit. I guess you've seen a few recessions in your career. Talk about, you know, how the Great Recession impacted your career and architects. And then maybe talk a little bit about how the pandemic impacted it as well. Sure. Well, the recession uh, and we were were talking about the experience when I uh, was still with Chapman, Coyle Chapman. Chapman Design Studio itself, the current uh, iteration of of my firm, is is now 13 years old. Uh, But for the first 40 years, 45, Chapman Design Studio went through one recession after another as the city of Atlanta built too many office buildings at one time and then built too many homes and then the Great Recession comes along, and our firm, interestingly enough, to, di- to divert back to the one recession that occurred when I had two distinguished guys, Lamar Wakefield and John Beasley, working for me. And John, I had to let those two aces go, and they formed Wakefield Beasley, which is just a mammoth firm these days uh, here in Atlanta. And then in this most recent recession uh, of the Great Recession, which is now, fortunately, a long time ago, uh, we had to cut back as well. So we let valuable people who are very talented went into other areas of architecture as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, the, the architecture in what we practiced the buildings and the overall project might be a five-year project instead of just a one-shot and you're done kind of thing. So the timetable for a recession is it winds down and you're still completing a project and earning fee during the overall lifetime of it. So it's been able to, to carry over for a lucky few who are, say, the core of a firm. Uh, in the Great Recession, we kept 13 people occupied full time, while many, uh, while the three principals took no salary at all for a year, and that was painful. And so those 13 pulled together so tightly that it really became a family. My partner Barry Coyle would say, it "Just we were all family." And most of those 13 people are still there at the original firm and contributing mightily to the work that they do. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really impressive. Crafting the perfect marketing strategy is like constructing the perfect pair of jeans. You need all the right components and expertise. Unlike trying on a dressing room full of jeans, denim marketing makes the process painless and easy. Denim marketing is the market leader in creating quality original content for home builders, developers, remodelers, and others in the industry. Call 770-383-3360 or email carol at denimmarketing.com to find out how denim marketing can be a comfortable fit for your social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, email marketing, blogs, and other marketing needs. Well, reflecting on your career, what are you most proud of? Well, um, still being in business, Carol. <laughs> That's impressive, <laughs> for sure. Proud of, Carol, the clients that I have now, most of them, not all, but most are older than I am. Wow. I'm, I'm 85, <laughs> and, and I'm working very closely right now with someone I've known all my professional career, John Wheeland. And John has been kind enough to uh, ask me to do several things for him. One recently completed is the Evermore Clubhouse up in Canton, which he is developing for active adults in independent living residential style with a clubhouse and a very active clubhouse, large uh, facility, about 15,000 square feet. and also up at Lake Lanier Islands with the Williams family. I've been doing work up there at that state resort project for the last, since 1972, as a matter of fact. And, the, and Virgil Williams and I, the, the family icon, is the leader of that family and the developer of the, of the park working as one of the state authorities up there. So. That hospitality work with John and, and the Williams family, it follows right along the line of uh, the hotel work that we have done and that I've been involved in doing uh, almost 30 Ritz-Carlton hotel concepts and actually built buildings back in the 80s and 90s. Why did you say 30 Ritz-Carltons? We did. Uh, wow. We were hired by Bill Johnson, who bought the Ritz moniker that name from the Boston Ritz uh, company where you had the Boston Ritz Carlton. And he took the, the name of that hospitality line and asked us, we were high school uh, classmates, Bill Johnson and myself. And he said, Jim, how about doing some hotel work with me? And I said, sure. So we developed a special team and Bill and his company would have us design the concept for the Ritz-Carlton clients. And if the client and the theme of the Ritz-Carlton, their particular organization clicked, then it would be turned over to another architect, a local person to actually do the, the concept at the completion of the, of the CDs. So we did the concept on all of those, including the the London Ritz-Carlton, we actually followed through as a firm, as the architect with CDs for the one down at Palm Beach, which was down in Manelapan, just south of Palm Beach. And we did two hotels, two 18-story towers up in 
uh, Washington at the Pentagon City and Tyson, Tyson's Corners. So those are, are really projects that I'm proud of in a phase of hospitality work that we did when the firm grew up to about 80, I'm sorry, wow. 60, 60 people. So that was exciting time. That's really neat. And I don't know if you know, but John Whelan was my first guest on The Legends of Real Estate. So if you haven't listened to his show, you should, because it's quite entertaining as he is. I'm um, sure it would be. <laughs> he's a great guy. He's he phenomenal. Tell story after story. <laughs> he sure can. Well, talk a little bit about having a son in the industry. You know, what has that meant to you? And were you surprised that Jim became a home builder? Or, you know, how did that happen? And what was your reaction? Well, that's that's so fun. Jim is just amazing. He's a go-getter. Uh, he's right out of the mold of the, you would call him self-made because he, he, he was around architecture as a young boy uh, and never really uh, exhibited the inclination to be an architect. But he took a summer job in high school with John Wheeland as a courier, and he would take a pack of contracts from one site of John's down in South Atlanta, where John was based at the time, uh, all around Atlanta to various locations where he had field offices. And then he would be going back around every day during the summertime. He would make that, that route several times. Yeah. So he had the benefit of, of working closely with John, who was a neighbor of ours. We were close within a block of each other uh, there. Uh, in Buckhead. So there, and then in, in college, he, he studied general courses, but then he came out and he wanted to work in the real estate field. So I connected him up with a, a fellow who was a, an acquaintance and he worked there for a period of putting together books that were the Robinson Humphrey American Express wing of group that Robinson Humphrey represented here in, in Atlanta and did all kinds of uh, really fun things with, with his uh, firm there. Well, then he went on to North Carolina, got his education in real estate, came back and we did a bunch of houses together uh, with his Chapman properties. And that grew into what as you're familiar with now, Carol, as uh, Jim Chapman communities and of just a myriad of innovative uh, residential concepts. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I love the story about him being John's courier. And I guess we probably have some listeners are going, well, why on earth was he having to drive things around? I'm assuming that we're pre-internet <laughs> then, right? That's There's no right. internet, so you've got to drive it all around, you know. we It's so funny. We have to keep in mind, you know, and I'm, you know, kind of Jim and I are about the same age. You know, my first job out of college, I stood in front of a fax machine and faxed press releases. Because it was either fax them or mail them. Isn't it interesting how there were faxes? But he had to have originals. And isn't it interesting how now in, in our fields, the before the computer was the fax, the fax machine speeded up our work so that clients, instead of waiting for things to be mailed to them in terms of drawings and different uh, things, they could get it 
quickly made the clients for architects say, well, I need your, that, I need this tomorrow. And we thought, oh, my God, throw away the fax machine. We're losing all of our, <laughs> our flex time here to, to get, get drawings done. And then along comes the email, which is even faster. <laughs> and you throw away the fax machine and you've got in the cell phone. So now things are just like you ask for something and you can almost get it immediately. It's, yeah, it's right there in front of you. It's almost, and you, know, and you have to be really careful because you almost move too fast. So it's like, okay, you know, read it over, read it out loud, make sure I'm sending it to the right, right person, make sure it's got the right attachment, all of that, because the world it moves at light speed. These computers move because, you know, you might push send and realize, oh, no, it auto-corrected and that's the wrong word. Well, you're too late. Uh, you're no. so exactly right. I made the mistake of sending a, a contract to a, a proposal, a letter agreement to a person. I had actually used, like I would, a previous contract that was similar, and I marked it up. Uh -huh. Oh, my God. You know, this is dirty laundry, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I marked it up, I, and then I put it onto a letterhead. It was beautiful. Well, I sent him the markup. Oh, no. <laughs> and he signed it. <laughs> and he oh, said, okay. that's hilarious. Wow. <laughs> and I said, I came back and I said, what is this? And then it dawned on me what I had done. <laughs> I said, wow. I quickly sent him the proper one. I said, you mind resigning? Yeah, sign the right one, please. Look better in Sometimes my it file. makes you wonder if anyone reads anything, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. That's funny. Oh, wow. Well, any advice for a young person who's maybe, you know, looking at college or looking at a career in architecture and advice for things they should or shouldn't do? Well, I, I know that when I started the tech, I was the lucky one of five who finished on time and 250 young men and, and no women were in our, our, in our class. Wow. So there were more that finished another year later or a quarter later or something quarter system back then. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really pays off to get some experience in architecture before you go to school. Right. Working with someone who, you know, finding out what your tastes are. A lot of students were coming to tech because, well, they thought they wanted to come to tech to school and they thought architecture would be easier than the engineering. That's what <laughs> I did. I didn't want to go to engineering school. I, I wanted to go to, to uh, architecture school. Right. And fortunately, it was for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, feel very lucky but i think it's it's i talked to so many folks who uh, when i i don't drive now i uber and some of so many of my drivers say i would i was interested in architecture as a kid and it's it's such a an amazing and, and wonderful field it is really tough to make it in architecture and it's it's very I don't know if it's the luck of the draw or talent or yeah, I think it's all of it. It's it's all of it, and it's having it's being so lucky to find or not to find, but to be found by quality clients who will respect you and carry you along and make it so that you can literally make in in the architecture. 
it's certainly not a field for somebody to get rich. And it's it's one where you really do have that desire and you feel rewarded in, in a lot of different ways. There's so many terrific people you meet. And that's the biggest reward is the uh, is the folks themselves. The yeah, absolutely. And that seems like it's been a huge reward for you, especially when you talk about people that you've worked with, you know, since the 70s or longer and these lifelong friends you've created that you're still doing work with. Um, and I guess that that segues well into just give us a little bit of an overview of what you're doing now. Um, you know, what kinds of projects? Well, I guess you've told us a little bit about what kinds of projects you're working on, but talk a little bit more about that. Well, the the hospitality field is is one that I, I really get a kick out of. I happen to be up at Waterfall Club with Jim up at Lake Burton this summer. And we went to the club there, which uh, I had done the clubhouse at the top of the hill, which is an awesome view. And I had done it for another Williams, J.T. Williams, back 30 years ago. And it was in a, a sort of a unique mountainy theme with big stone piers. And it was patterned after the great hotel facilities that the Pacific uh, Atlantic Railroad built to get out to the great parks that were being completed and visited by millions of people. And so this, the theme of the architecture was really historic looking and period. And Went in there to have dinner with Jim and his family about a, a month or so ago. And I ran into the manager and he said, I had to come say hello to the guy who was bounding up the steps. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that was me. And he said, how are you doing? And he, and I told him who I was and that I'd done the club. Ice. He said, oh, my God. And he brought the owners over to say hello. And so it, it was a, a, a nice opportunity to market yourself to someone who I hadn't been able to keep track of since J.T. Williams had, had left the scene many years ago and previous owners in between. But that's the kind of thing that I'm really interested in and enjoying working on is hospitality. This involved residential and retail and club work all, all wrapped up into one. So there's all kinds of opportunity that people are developing now because folks want to get out of the city of Atlanta. Tons of people are moving in for residential opportunities and work opportunities here in a, a burgeoning city that I've actually seen grow to almost 7 million from the 600,000 that were residents when I grew up here. Uh, and so from from that timetable to relating it back to what uh, folks are doing now, re residentially, there's so many who can hop in a car and be at a, a remote location and do their work while they're the uh, same time they're enjoying recreation and a, a healthy lifestyle that is less hectic and, and less traffic uh, and, and less time consuming on the highway, and way less stress. So it's uh, working in the mountains up in places like Highlands and Cashers up in that neighborhood. That's a, a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm thinking that you having an Uber driver is less stressful. It helps you to find more time. I'm a little jealous. I'd like an Uber driver to drive me everywhere. <laughs> well, I try to keep it to a minimum, but I do have to get to work every day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and unfortunately, I have some transportation, but I also do a good bit of Ubering as well. Yeah. So, so it is. it has been the life's blood, really, Carol, of being able to work today as an older uh, practitioner, I do feel I'm, st- I'm so trained to be in the office <laughs> and working that uh, it's hard for me not to be at work to do my stuff. I, I'm yeah. really not able to draw and sketch unless I'm at the work environment and can, can coordinate with others that are, are actually helping. Well, that is fantastic. I just want to say congratulations on a amazing long career. And I hope you have many, many more fun years working with John Whelan and Virgil Williams and um, designing beautiful spaces that we all enjoy. Before I let you go, how can our listeners get more information on you and Chapman Design Studio? Well, I would love them to uh, all those listeners uh, could go to the website, which is chapmandesignstudio.com, and look that up, and you'll see facilities that have been done in the last 13 years since I've had the Chapman Design Studio firm, and including clubs such as Marietta Country Club and facilities that I have described previously. So that's the best way to get get a hold of it, and then. The clients that I've mentioned uh, here in the in the broadcast could also be contacted easily because they're available to look up on the web for information and contact um, in numbers. But yeah. that's the best way to get a little bit of an overview, master planning, our master planning capabilities and our clubhouse capabilities and hospitality as well as residential. So welcome contact of any kind from that source. Excellent. With that, I'm going to say it's a wrap of this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I want to thank Jim Chapman for being this week's legend on our Legends of Real Estate series. Um, It's a fantastic conversation today. It kind of ties in some of our previous shows as well, so I love that. On behalf of our show sponsor, Denim Marketing, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating and review. Um, If you'd like more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum, you can go to the site, atlantarealestateforum.com, or you can follow us on all the social media sites. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, which is now X, of course, Instagram, et cetera. You can find us at Atlanta Real Estate Forum on all of those sites. If you are interested in being on the show as a guest, shoot me an email. Carol at denimmarketing.com is my email. Let me know what you'd like to talk to me about. Um, And with that, Thank you so much for tuning in this week, and we'll see you right here again next week for our next episode. Today's episode was made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite real estate blog, and source for real estate news, trends, new home communities, model homes, builders, and more. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans, Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size, 
They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your podcast or iTunes app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show.